It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. With five days as we march to the midterms, of course, one of the big undertakings is election night itself. And obviously, uh, ballots are going to be counted. Uh, reporting on that counting and those results is also crucial. Uh, reporting on how the vote counts are done. Uh, and uh, one of the things we always look for, of course, is when a race will be called. Uh, over the years, uh, many of us have looked to the Associated Press uh, that's following every race in the country down to the, the county level. Uh, and often you will hear that famous phrase, the AP has called the election for uh, and insert your candidate there. What we want to do today is kind of get behind the scenes, behind the curtain a little bit in, ter- in terms of what goes into such a project. How can the AP remain confident? Uh, the vote count is the right one. The result is the right one. Uh, and really pleased to have joining us today, Meg Kennard is the national political, uh, re- excuse me, politics reporter for the Associated Press. Meg, thanks for jumping on with us. Absolutely, boy. It's good to be with you. Uh, and uh, you've you've done the look behind the curtain in terms of uh, how this goes. So I, I want to start at the the very beginning uh, in terms of how do you go how do you go about that? The fact that you look at every race, uh, top to bottom, left to right across the country. Uh, how do you get ready? How do you gear up? Some of us think, oh, this is a this is a fun day. This is a great uh, day to debate. <laughs> you guys have a lot of work on an election day. It's not just election day. It's going to be election week, maybe election month. <laughs> but for us, it's, it's, it is really a 365-day a operation. Mm. The AP has a full-time research team that really digs in across the country for the months leading up to an election, looking at all the data, understanding district, understanding county-level information, cycle to cycle. So When it comes down to that election night, when our race callers are really looking at these contests and trying to ascertain who's going to come out on top, they have a lot of data to back them up and historical knowledge, really, when it comes down to these contests and previous cycles. So it's it's not something that we just get together for for one night. It really is a full time deal for us. <laughs> this is not a hey, you guys want to come out and hang out tonight? We we've got some uh, <laughs> chips and salsa, and th- this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the newsroom pizza. That is a tradition for newsrooms across the country. We can't forget the pizza, but it it really is something that's it's ongoing for a very long time leading up to Election Day. Yeah, and so let's dig into that a little bit. It, it is a, a massive undertaking as you have people on the ground, all 50 states, uh, just just that footprint. Also, just gathering and, and I would even say in today's world, maintaining uh, that uh, – that historic knowledge of, of counties and districts and trends and all of those things. Uh, so how do you start building out a, in your preparation? It's Obviously, it's an all-year thing, but as you get closer to it, what are some of the things that you're starting to assemble? We're making sure that we have our network of those stringers in place. These are folks who 
are temporary freelance workers for us, but they've been doing this for years. They've been working with the Associated Press to be in contact with all of those officials down at the county level to make sure that we can get vote counts directly from them. We're also looking at state websites. We're looking at official information data streams as they come in as well. Mm -hmm. But it's really that network of people on the ground in these places who are not just making the first call on election night to a county official. It's somebody that they've been in touch with and maybe have known for years that really help us stay ahead in terms of getting accurate information into our data centers so then we can compile that information and give it to our race callers, the folks who are actually going to be making those decisions on election night. Yeah, so so those relationships are so important. We've been talking about uh, this component of trust. Obviously, trust in the process and trust in the institutions uh, has been something of a struggle for the for the country in the last few years. Uh, but I love the fact that you're f- focused on creating those relationships with those county clerks and those district uh, folks. That, so there is a relationship. So as you get to some of those tight things, uh, you, you're you not just making a blind call. You're actually uh, talking to somebody that you know and that you trust. It's vital, especially for elections, but really in all journalism. I mean, those of us who've been reporters at any level know that sometimes you're able to do the best work and provide the best information for readers and viewers when you know the people that you're reporting about, not necessarily you're friends with them, but you have a working relationship. And so you've been able to figure out, you know, how to to go about things when a story breaks. And that's kind of the same mentality that a lot of our folks in the field are employing when it comes to getting this election's data. It's, It's people that they've been in touch with before. And the AP has been doing this for a really long time. The first contest that we called was back in 1848. Clearly, things have changed a little bit since Zachary Taylor was elected president (laughs) in this country. And there's a lot of different technologies that we can use to get that information. But because the AP does have a trusted reputation of not just getting these calls out quickly, but a reputation of accuracy, which is the most important thing to us, that helps our people in the field develop these relationships with those county and and local level folks. So then we can get that data and, and then call the races. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, so that journalistic integrity and confidence in that, uh, and just so people know for the record, uh, in 2022, the AP was 99.9% accurate in calling U.S. races. They've been 100% accurate in the presidential and congressional races uh, for each state. Uh, and so that's the results. And we can look at the results and say, yep, got it right. Uh, so now, Meg, take us take us to what happens. Again, we, we know there's so many razor-thin races this year uh, happening around the country. Take us to that moment uh, of the call when the AP says we are calling this What leads up right to that moment? Who makes that call? How's that done? We have a team of race callers. This year, I think there are going to be about 60 who are involved in making those calls, declaring winners in 
really more than 7,000 races across the country when we look at the governor's races, Congress, state legislatures, and, and other offices that we'll be looking at. And in those moments, we see a lot of um, outlets making projections about who will win a contest. The AP doesn't do that. Um, we only make race calls. Mm. And that's at the moment when we've determined that there's not a scenario, mathematically speaking, that will allow a trailing candidate to make up the gap with the leading candidate. There's a lot of information that goes into that. There are a, a lot of different mathematical calculations that are taken into effect and also historical data. Um, clearly, we know that districts change and political attitudes change. But, you know, it's, it's really only in that moment when we're looking at the numbers and looking at the areas where maybe votes are still outstanding. And if we can look at that math and determine that there's just not enough still available for a trailing candidate to overtake that leader, that's the moment when we can have a race call. And it's, again, I can't stress enough, it is far more important to us that we make that call accurately rather than make it first. Being first is great, but it is not more important than getting it right. And so that's that's really the only time that when we feel confident that that is going to be the right call, that we'll make that call. Yeah, so important. And that's an important thing for all of us as we march towards election night next Tuesday. Uh, you you will hear a lot of projected winner, uh, and often it's those groups that are trying to be first in uh, or first uh, to report and so often that is the projection and uh, the AP does the call. Those are very different. So we need to make sure we're training our ears on that as we get towards election night next week. And uh, is there anything else that we should be talking about, Meg, or things that you hope people are c- kind of listening for as we go through uh, Tuesday? And as you said, the day after and, and uh, probably in Georgia, the month beyond. You're absolutely right. You hit on the timeline perfectly. It is something, this is a situation this year that we're anticipating that we're not just going to be talking about election night. Um, We do joke, as I said at the top, that it's election week or election month. But in a lot of these places, particularly Georgia, like you mentioned, there are possibilities for runoffs. There are possibilities that other situations will lead us to not having a call on election night, to not knowing immediately who has won a race. And that's okay. That does not mean that there's something wrong with Mm. the system or there's something wrong with how the votes are being counted or being called in. There could be problems, sure, but because just because we don't have a call when the polls close or a couple afters, a couple hours after the polls close, that doesn't mean that there has been something nefarious that has happened. And so I think it's important for people to keep that in mind. Also to note that there's a lot of early voting happening. There's a lot of mail-in votes happening. And those mail-in votes particularly can create a situation where it just takes longer to count them and to know exactly who those votes are for. Different states have different processes. Not every place is the same. AP has done a lot of explanatory journalism trying to make those points just so people are aware of what to expect. Um, so taking all of those things into account, I think, is really imperative as we actually get to Election Day itself. Yeah, and I just want to repeat what Meg said there just one more time for everybody. Just because it takes time, even if it takes a few days or a week or more, 
the important thing is we get it right. And just because it takes that amount of time uh, does not mean anything nefarious is going on. doesn't mean you can't trust the result when the call is made. Remember, uh, AP is not going to make the call for the winner until there is no path. There's no mathematical path for the trailing candidate uh, to catch the leader. That's really important for us, especially in these tight races. And whether that's a local race, whether that's a national race, uh, all of those things still apply. Uh, Meg Kennard, the uh, national politics reporter for the Associated Press, thanks for taking us behind the curtain and uh, helping us have confidence in uh, what we will hear, what we'll experience uh, come election night. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts right here on KSL News Radio. Stick around, more inside sources coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.